Covered in Glory is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it, must be 21 years or older. to another edition of Covered in Glory, where I am here with my good friend Brett Corominas to talk about the Premier League and the Premier League only today. We have suspended our study abroad program because Lionel Messi has suspended playing in the MLS, probably for the good. We were going to cover our domestic league today, but since Messi is unsure to show up for the match versus Cincinnati, we are going to stick with the Premier League, the Premier League only, but luckily for us, we have a hell of a slate to go over. Brett, do you remember a show that we've done that didn't have any single adjusted spread on it? I can only think of one, which is when all the stars aligned and we had the all bangers edition where the top six all played each other. But it seems like we always have had one game that was like one and a half, two and a half. We're looking at uh, five games today, all within the minus 0.5 line. And I am excited. How about you? Well, I mean, I'm excited because one of those games, here's a nice little teaser for us to everybody, Toby. One of those games should be an adjusted line. We'll get to that one, though. And that's what makes me excited. Oh, my gosh. Broadcasting live from like a cabin that is just holding nothing but wisdom and professional lessons. (laughs) You finally went, guys, like a reverse intervention. We finally sent you to a camp to learn how to do this. Yeah, I mean, if we were if we were going to be in all video format, I just turn the camera around and show up my great view of the mountains here in Colorado, make everybody oh. jealous. So I'm good. I'm ready. I have tons of wisdom. This is like as close as I'm going to get to Tibet. So here we go. Man wins one five pint month, and all of a sudden he's in Colorado staring at mountains. That's really how you've had a glow up. I'm impressed with you. <laughs> I come up fast, baby. Let's go. So uh, I'm so excited. I want to dive right into the action, Brett. Oh, no, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm being called over to the monitor. Uh, I need to review. Got to wind back. (laughs) Nope, nope, we can't just do the action. I'm sorry. We actually have to talk about VAR. We are professionally obligated because we are a soccer podcast. And it's the only thing the world is discussing this week. And it's obviously triggered by the Liverpool match, which was, let's be honest, come on, that was a travesty. Like, I don't exactly bleed bleed Liverpool red. But all three of those uh, calls were questionable, with one being arguably the most egregious we've ever seen. So just uh, for a quick recap, Curtis, Jones goes out on a red uh, after giving a yellow. He was given a straight red for dangerous play. Maybe because there was a still shot of the pitcher with his foot on the cap that took all the context out of him getting the ball and slipping off of it and then hitting the, the, the guy a little bit high would set him off. But like if it wasn't a still frame, would he have been set off? Open question. And then Jota, well, not chronological order, obviously. Jota goes off for two straight yellows. Second one, super questionable to send the guy off. Um, I don't know if that one should have been upheld. And then finally, the big one, which not only affected Liverpool, not only affected Tottenham, not only affected the entire Premier League, most importantly affected me after Mo Salah hits a beautiful (laughs) ball. A beautiful ball for a clear assist to Diaz that I would have cashed on along with a lot of other people. Uh, Diaz, anytime goal, obviously would have cashed as well. And there was a huge screw up where the guy in the booth thought the call on the field was onsides, even though it was offsides. He confirms the offsides accidentally and the goal is waved off. So, Brett. 
like this is crazy. This is like the Simpsons episode uh, of the softball game where Mr. Burns is like, well, if one thing happened to one of my ringers, I'd be okay. Two, I'd still win. Three, now we're talking about something that's impossible to happen. And like, this is exactly what happened. Like three terrible calls against one side in one game, but I don't know exactly what the solution is. So as somebody who has their ear like really to the ground of the international soccer community, have you heard any good ideas to fix this or is this just something that's going to be perpetually broken for as long as we are walking this earth oh man i don't know if i've heard good ideas i mean the, the thing with me was the you know they released the audio right and if you listen to the audio it was just multiple people just talking into each other's ears there was no uniformity there was no hierarchy of like it was just people yelling their things the what they needed to say into the ear at the same time i think to me like it that is the kind of thing that needs to be refined like when there's a var check like there needs to be a very crystal clear thing like they're checking this is the call that was made this is what i'm checking these are the people that i'm getting this feedback first i'm getting this feedback second so forth and so on so there's actually some order to it like that that to me was the worst look about it is it just seemed like it was chaos there was no double checking the call in the field there's just a bunch of people talking into into each other's ears at the same time like i mean that's the kind of thing that if you just like make up a rule in a sports league that like just started like that's what you'd see and var's been var's been around for a while and it hasn't gotten any better i think that's what like this game should be the thing where it's like this thing does help. It, it does. It, it should, in theory, continue to help us make correct decisions. But we need to refine the process in which it works. So not only that it is it efficient and correct, it's fast. Is there an argument against redundancy? Like, is there an argument that we treat this almost like a uh, a jury or a panel? And I'm not talking 12 angry men. I'm talking maybe two. There's a reason there's two like submarine nuclear uh, nuclear keys and things like that. Like. Can we have two guys up there? They each have 60 seconds. And if they agree, they send it down. Is there something there that would at least prevent the nonsense that happened with the guy just didn't know the correct call on the field? Yeah. I mean, I think that question is like, do we want expediency or do we want accuracy? Right. <laughs> um, I think, I think redundancy you get both that way. Like if you put yeah. them on a 60 second clock and they have to agree, like that it should be one of those things where like maybe they're siloed, right? Maybe they're not even in the same room. Maybe they can't even talk to each other. But if you could do it faster and more accurately and at least prevent that, I mean, that was just calamitous. Like I, when I first heard about it, I just, I said no effing way. I was sent to me by a Liverpool fan and I thought it was just something that was made up on some like dark corner of Liverpool conspiratorial Reddit. Like I didn't understand that this could possibly happen because the moment he sees the restart happen and they didn't give the goal, like you think the guy would be like smashing every buzzer in the room to make sure that they went back. And so, like, how does that happen, right? Like, how does the guy actually get confirmed because he had the wrong assumption and then he sees the restart and there's no way for him to alert, like, what is going on here? This is all screwed up. Yeah, I mean, I think when you bring it up that way, that's probably a good idea. I mean, because that, that is that's where you get to make sure the call on the field is being accurately correct as the right call, right? You know, like that never happens. Like that mistake should be there. There should be some process where that mistake should never, ever, ever, ever happen. And I think redundancy would be a good way of going about that because you'll never make that scroll. Like two people aren't going to be like, oh, hey, we're both checking the offside here. Right. Like there's no way that that would ever happen. So I think that's a great idea, actually. 
Oh, well, you hit me with not an actually. Yeah, I know. No, not an actually. That. that was too condescending. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think that is a great idea, Toby. You have a lot of great ideas. There we go. Yeah. yeah. And I don't, I don't know if it's three, one, two. I mean, I know it's not one. It's just like there needs to be some sort of check on this. And it's just like this is the most – I don't know if it's richer than the NFL. It's probably not richer than the NFL. But they're spending just five, $6 billion on any team that goes for sale right now. The next TV contract is going to dwarf anything that's ever come uh, previously. Like you can't pay a guy an extra two hundred grand just to make sure the first guy gets it right. Like what are we doing? Why are we cutting quarters here? Why aren't, why aren't these guys as professionally trained? just as VAR officials? Why is it like referees moonlighting and picking up a second shift in order to try to make some extra coin? Like these should be guys that make a million dollars each and never get it wrong and just centralize it and make them work all freaking day. Like they should be the best in the world with this. They should be the single best in the world with this. They should be trained for it for like 20 years and then they just get things right as accurately as any human possibly can. Why are we cutting corners here? I don't have an answer because I'm not <laughs> part of a soccer governing body, but I, I agree with you. I, I think this is the, it's a little bit absurd that you can have this level of incompetence in such a rich, popular, long-standing sport. And I think that goes to show you how soccer governing bodies look at their product where they're like, yeah, we need a replay system. So we just throw in a replay system and then you clearly see the chaos behind it. So I, I don't know. I wish I had an answer to that question of how this continues to happen. But I, my hope is, is that the, the absolute absurdity of this match finally sparks some real change, right? So, so, so what's the fair result here, Brett? I mean, they're not actually going to replay it. But let me just throw a hypo- hypothetical at you. Let's say they were going to replay it. Should it pick up at minute 26 with Curtis Jones already sent off with uh, Tottenham kicking off and Liverpool's up 1-0? Or should it start from 0-0 with like a fresh slate? Like this is a particularly egregious one because Liverpool is down a man but up a goal. Well, how do you think it should actually be settled? I mean, can they – I mean – I kind of like the idea of you restart at the 26 minute after the first, you know, kind of major event that like changes the dynamics of the match. But I think if you're going to see the error in the match, you have to replay the whole thing. I think you have to replay the whole thing. I don't know. That's a really tough question. Why are you coming at me with some heaters tonight, Kotobi? <laughs> well, we're trying to settle all the world's problems, bro. You think it was going to be easy? It would already be done. It's the hard that makes it fun. I the, thought you just wanted to be asked. I thought you just asked me if like Holland was good at scoring goals. That's really uh, that's the only <laughs> question I'm I'm prepared to handle. Yeah, you're sitting there in that cabin after all the money we spent on broadcasting lessons. You think that's going to be the softball you get? Come on, man. Get ready for some heat here. So, like, if I'm Liverpool, actually, here's another question. If you're Liverpool, which would you rather have? If you're oh, Liverpool, not Tottenham, would you rather have it from zero or up one nil but down a man? Uh, with the other team down a man, I think that's too big an advantage. I mean, I, I can't remember what the exact number. No, Liverpool Liverpool was up one nothing, but they were down to ten men. So if you're Liverpool, would you rather start from kickoff with a full eleven or be up a goal but down a man with uh, sixty five minutes to go? I'm trying to think what the math on a red card is, and I think it's like worth a goal and a half. So you'd probably want to be at full strength. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I think you'd want to be a full strength because a red card is like huge, like a hugely like valuable thing. I think it's worth over a goal. So I would say, t- I would say, I would say you'd want to eliminate the red card. 
Mm. I'm going the other way. Liverpool is used to playing with 10 men because they keep running Joe Gomez out there. So with that experience, <laughs> I think they should take the goal and think they could hold on. Hell, they held on with nine for most of the second half, which was another incredible part of this game. Uh, so let's let's ask one other question, Brett, then we can move to this week's action. Do you think this will end up mattering? And what I mean by that is, do you think Liverpool will finish within two points of either the title or falling out of the Champions League positions? Uh, not the title. I don't think it'll matter for the title race. Uh, I do think that because of the rise or well, not the rise, the resurgence of Newcastle who look like they're going to be a top four contender, Liverpool is volatile. And so they could get a streak of bad luck where that fourth place spot. Well, actually, well, no, it'd be the fifth place spot there. There's definitely a world in which they're fighting to hang on for a champions league spot. So I would think that that those two, these two points could matter eventually, and I, I and that's the whole point. Like that's that's, I mean that's the weight of this all, right? Like you miss out on the Champions League because uh, they screw up an offside onside check on a VAR. Think of the amount of money that that yeah. club is missing out on for that. Yeah, almost as much as I lost on that Salah bet. That should have been a assist. I should have cashed. I should have closed. <laughs> Man, the what are you? What are you betting? I'm gonna You're talking about one. my my digs in Colorado here. This is even my place here. <laughs> I'm gonna remember that one and the end zone miss penalty at the end of the year. Those two have been the biggest pain so far. I don't know. I mean, I I do think that VAR is a worthwhile exercise, right? Like, think about how often VAR overturns things. So, like, imagine the reverse outrage here of VAR no longer happened and four to five calls were wrong every game. I think we'd have a lot worse system. But once we're going to take the time and once we're going to have the expense and once we're going to ruin goal celebrations and all that other stuff, let's spend some money on the system. Spend some money on the system. Get some redundancy in there. Get professionals in there. Make them the best. I mean, if the Saudis can buy a World Cup in 2034, surely they can invest or somebody can invest in making this a better system. So that is what I hope uh, this outrage leads to more than anything else is an improvement of the system because it's not going to be a replay. And I think Liverpool is going to be in the top five pretty comfortably. And I think they're going to be out of the title race pretty comfortably. So we're going to look back at this as much ado about nothing except for the change that it can bring with it so that's all i got to say about that until the next colossal screw up and then we will be right back here with these same tired arguments over the same tired subject which is the unofficial theme of this podcast so let's go ahead and take a quick break give caesar some love and then we will get into our picks for the weekend you know when the conversation turns stampers i always go with my number one as caesars let's talk about them a little bit shall we tickets to the game merch meals at iconic restaurants stays at caesars palace all this can be yours when you bet with caesars sportsbook win or lose every bet earns rewards credits which you can redeem across the empire now if you haven't started yet register using this code listen up omaha full the word Omaha and the word full. And then you place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great. If you keep those winnings, but if you lose, you'll get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and over only. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. New users and first $10 plus wager only. Must register with eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager. Returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet, $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account 
down within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See Caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start gambling problem. Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino. Call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or West Virginia, 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, Brett, we are back and we have arguably the match of the year. It would have been the match of last year for sure, since these are the two clearest title contenders that we have and Manchester City is on the road. So this is one of the best fixtures of the entire year and it is Sunday at 11.30 a.m. where it's Arsenal third at 17 points versus Manchester City first at 18 points. Manchester City is plus 135. Arsenal is plus 190. The draw is plus 240. Manchester City minus half a goal is plus 130 over at Caesars, and Arsenal is minus 170. So, Brett, uh, we just learned Manchester City are human after all. A loss to Newcastle means we will not be seeing a quadruple from them. And then they drop all three in a shock against Wolves last week. So my question to you is a pretty obvious one. Do you think this is all just down to Rodri and Stone being out plus a touchline ban for Pep and there's nothing to really worry about long-term going forward? Or have you started to see some cracks in the Terminator's armor here? Uh, I think it's the cracks. Uh, There's definitely some stuff. I mean, because even before then, if you're looking at, you know, kind of the sum of their performances, they've had some big wins, but like the full match, the underlying numbers were not as flattering as the scoreline was. Uh, Same thing for the Forest match. And I mean, those are teams that they should absolutely be annihilating, right? And so the fact that these games against kind of bottom feeders, like, they this should be that should have maybe been a like a red flashing red light with this team because I'm definitely in the concern stage. Well, I guess 
you know, what city does doesn't really matter to me other than when I have money on them. Um, but I mean, I would be concerned if I was a city fan, for sure. I think this is something that we're seeing that maybe the pieces aren't fitting together exactly how they need to be. Maybe maybe it's Stones. Maybe it's the Rodri absence. Um, maybe it's the loss of Gundogan. I mean, that, that was something that, you know, he was their leading goal scorer like two years ago. So maybe that was something, there, there's some people, some pieces missing. Mares was ever present for them. So maybe there is something to those departures that is causing them to kind of have some some gears be a little bit, you know, bendy and breaky and not clicking so well. I don't know. I I hope that's true. I actually hope that's true because I want a competitive title race. I want Arsenal to win this game because I want the title race to last as long as possible. And I don't want it to feel like they are Thanos and that they're inevitable. Uh, We always cycle back to that conclusion after they run four or five off in a row. So I'm not sure I'm willing to back off that just after one loss, especially because they didn't have uh, Rodri and they didn't have stones. Like when those guys are anchoring their midfield and, and holding and allowing those guys to really express themselves going forward, they, they look like the scariest team on earth and they still do. And I thought it was amazing that Akanji stepped into the midfield of the Champions League midweek. Can Pep just move any defender in the world up the field and they will be successful? Like, where is the end to this trick? Uh, there is no end to this trick. And and the, the reason is, is that he's, he has a very specific type of center back, obviously, that he wants. And because this team has so much possession you can basically get these center backs that can kind of double as holding midfielders, right? Like every single one, Vardial, Ake, Stones. I mean, Stones did literally get moved into the midfield. Akanji, like all those guys are kind of ball playing center backs, I guess you could call them. And so when you see them step forward in the midfield in a, in a, in a uh, team that has like a lockdown on possession, it really isn't super surprising. I I think that's part of the issue though. It's like Pep is the thing that, and this is what's sticking out of me. I'm like formulating this as we're going, this is the thing that's hitting me. The fact that he is so obsessed with stopping counters has made him play all these like type players that kind of are, we talked about redundancy with VAR. A lot of these skill sets are redundant. Like how many ball playing center backs do you really need versus guys that maybe can create in the final third? Because with KDB out, that to me is the thing that's really missing, right? Like it's not that they're getting torched and they're getting goals scored against them left and right. And the defense is showing vulnerability like that year where Lester started off the season and just like ripped them apart and scored five goals. The match against Wolves, they couldn't create anything. Like they couldn't create anything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you're right about the creation, Brett, but they still have Doku, and Doku has been great this season. It has given them a new look didn't have in the year. And I think between him and uh, what they're going to be able to put out, Roger and Stones, once those guys are healthy, I think their ceiling is actually higher than last year, which is scary since they won the freaking treble and were considered one of the greatest teams in the world. And I think he's the X factor in this game. I don't think there's anybody on Arsenal who can really contain him. And he's the biggest reason I like him to win. The chaos he's creating out there on the left wing is somehow causing defenses to forget the world's greatest goal scorer is nearby. It gives Holland a chance to do Holland things. 
making it much easier for him to get through. And don't and don't forget that if they don't forget about Halan, then all of a sudden Doku has a bunch of space and he's been really effective at getting in and peppering the goal with outside shots. So I know they haven't got the creative spark that they have when KDB's in the lineup, and it's terrifying to think what it's going to look like when he comes back. But Doku is giving them a, enough of a well-rounded look that I think that as long as uh, Pep starts him, which is unclear, he might prefer somebody else on the left, I really like them to come through against Arsenal. Yeah, I mean, I hate to rain on the Doku parade, but I think he's a guy to me that at least right now is a little bit more flash over substance. So I think he's a dude. He's like, a, like oh, we're basketball guys here. So he's a dude that like is really great at creating his own shot. We'll say like a Jamal Crawford. Crawford can get a shot off at any defender. Now, is it a good shot? I don't think so. <laughs> you know, not every Jamal Crawford shot was a good shot. And Doku is currently, I was looking it up when you were talking about him, currently averaging just 0.03 XG per shot, which means he's basically just shooting like side angle shots from near the top of the box. And so I think like the fact that he is getting into dangerous spaces is a good thing. I'm not sure he's like a prime time guy quite yet. He may be, yeah. but not yeah, yet. Yeah, but hold hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, math guy. Like you could talk all about his direct XG, but the attention that he's drawing when he's dribbling on the left wing, creating lanes for cutbacks and creating new spaces for Halan, Foden, and everybody else to run through, like that's not measured in XG. So like, you're just talking about a stat that talks about his direct goal contribution. Yeah, maybe Jamal Crawford did throw up a couple of bricks, but when they had to run double teams at him, somebody else suddenly got a great shot. And so like I don't think that XG alone can capture what he is doing and how he changes the gravity of the dynamics on the field where some of the most dangerous players in the world can fill the space and create goals. Yeah. And I mean, what you're talking about is more on ball stats versus off ball stats, which we have access to a lot of really cool public on ball stats. We don't have access to a lot of off ball runs. Like, so that space, the way defenders are being dragged out now, no really smart soccer teams are looking at that stuff. Uh, we, <laughs> we at the extra point network don't have the money to go get that data. And if we did, oh man, Toby, you definitely never see me again. My spreadsheets would be everywhere. Um, even more defenders scoring goals everywhere. I'm even sure. more defenders scoring goals. No, but, uh, the, but one of the on ball stats that, that does point to kind of what you're talking about is he does leave city and passes into the penalty area. That's kind of like, a precursor to like assist numbers, you know, cause not every pass into the penalty area is going to directly do to a shot, but it's showing you that he's getting into dangerous spots. That is kind of an indicator of where you're talking about. He's pulling people away. He's playing the ball in dangerous areas. People are getting onto the end of his passes because there is more space to get into. That is definitely an argument. I just don't think that on city, those numbers make me super bullish about a player because you are still feeding Alvarez, Halon, Foden making late runs into the box. So there, there's a little bit of contextual stuff that make me wonder. I know I'm a Jack Grealish fanboy in this podcast, but make yeah. me wonder if he's really all that much better than Grealish. If he's a huge upgrade. Um, I do think he's good. Again, the, the, the talent is very clear and I enjoy watching him play. Don't get me wrong. I'm just not sure he's a guy that's going to upend an Arsenal City match. All right, fair enough. So what is going to upend this match? On Arsenal's side, Trissard came back and made the bench, plus they gave Havertz a pressure-free penalty to get him going, and we'll see if that pays dividends. What has to go right for Arsenal to win this matchup? 
<laughs> I mean, it's it's just going to be the same thing. They're going to have to be defensively airtight. Um, I, I don't know if this is a match where they can get away with Havertz playing in the midfield. I think Vieira has to get that start. Um, I'm sure you're I'm sure you're in agreement with that. Um, and I, I think for them, it's just going to be, can they suppress City's shots? Um, because I think City is going to struggle with the fact that that midfield of Arsenal is unlike anything that they typically see with Odegaard around there, with Declan Rice around there rampaging through like Declan Rice is one of the few guys that physically can, can handle a guy like Rodri, right? Like they're built the same. Rodri can, Rodri can bounce a lot of midfielders off. Like he can't do that stuff with Declan Rice runs and Rice is, is not just playing as a six. He's getting forward. He's getting shots. He's create. he's helping with attacking flows in the final third. So for me, if they can just suppress the Holland show, I think this is a match where they can nick a goal and they can get out of here with the win. I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring affair, though. That's for sure. Well, they do have one big advantage here and that Rodri won't be out there because of violent conduct. He called a three-game suspension, so he won't be in this match. Oh, so I, can't, be... I can't do math. I thought the three games were up. I'm a moron. Nope, nope. This is the third game, and so that does change the dynamic. And My make spreadsheet it a little more likely failed, that our... failed me. That Arsenal will come three, yes. But you need spreadsheets to count the three. You really need to get outside some of that mountain air, pal. The math all going to your head. Um, so without him in the middle, it will be a different dynamic. And Rice should have even more influence on this game. So at the end of the day, I, for me, it's simple. I'm a simple man with simple pleasures. And one of my simple pleasures is if there's a plus side in front of City, I'm heading to the window to take it. Uh, and so, like, I am taking City because it's a plus sign. And I am taking – I'm sorry. I am also taking Holland Anytime goal scorer, it's also a plus sign. Plus 110, we haven't seen that since I think the beginning of the season. So those are my two favorite bets. If you're on Cheeky, grab them together at plus 225. And you, you're on the other side. You can guess what my bet is, Brett. You can guess because it's my bet every single week. Odegaard. <laughs> it, it, hit, it hit too. Odegaard shot on target. I'm not pairing with the Arsenal money line for once because it is minus 110 on its own. You're finally getting value on this because of Pep's tactics and keeping uh, the ball away from guys like Odegaard. I think he's world-class. That, that pass he played where he picked the lock um, last week where he like they were just packing the whole box and he found a way to pull it back and then pull it through like three guys to set up Saka. Like, he's, he's incredible. That's why he's on our Mount Rushmore. I think he still finds a way to put one at least into Edison's gloves. So those are the three bets. I know it's a lot, but this is the match of the year. Yeah, mine are mine are very simple. Um, I'm glad you got creative because I I just think Arsenal has been, and I again I cannot put my finger on the pulse of this Arsenal team, but just over the run of results, um, especially now being reminded that I'm a moron and can't count or counted a Champions League game as one of Rodri's suspensions. Um, I definitely am leaning hard into the plus 190 for Arsenal. I mean, it's at the Emirates Stadium. And I just think that this is going to be a low-scoring game because I'm pairing it with the under two and a half goals and minus 105. And so in these low-scoring games, weird stuff happens. And I, I just think that Arsenal has been the more consistent team with their performances. I know you can immediately say, oh, well, they lost to Lens midweek. Um, that game, they just created the better chances. They got unlucky when wolves, when wolves beat city, they got lucky to beat them, but the underlying numbers were scary close. So I'm going to take the team that got unlucky and lost (laughs) instead of the one that had a pretty even performance with one of the bottom feeding teams in the premier league. So I, I just, I 
I again, I can never read Arsenal, but this week is just telling me this is if I was on trendy plug, if I was on trendy, this maybe feels more like a heart pick, but everything I, I see with, with watching him play, I just have had more confidence with Arsenal at home, especially if Vieira is starting over habits. And are you playing the under? Is did I get that did I picked that up from earlier? Oh, yeah. You like a low oh, scoring yeah. affair? Yeah, the low scoring affair because I am the killer of all fun and all I do is bet unders. It's why I have no friends. <laughs> well, find some friends and find a TV to watch this game on Sunday. It does not get better in this in the first half of the Premier League. Uh, but it definitely gets better than Manchester United, which is our second game. They are 10th at nine points versus Brentford, 14th at seven points. This game is Saturday at 10 a.m. Manchester United is minus 150. Brentford is plus 375. The draw is plus 300. Our friends at Caesars have Manchester United at minus half a goal at minus 160 and Brentford at plus 125. Holy hell, Brett. Let me quote the uh, first line of my notes on the United game. I'm looking at them really close. Who the F is Pellestri? Pellestri. I didn't even know the guy's name. I thought I was like some sort of rube and just missed, you know, Manchester United's next uh, can't miss prospect. Instead, I went and looked him up. He has a transfer value of $6 million and is the 27th most valuable guy on the United roster, yet he is now starting for a team that qualified for the Champions League in the toughest league in the world a year ago. What is happening in Manchester? This is one of the times that I can uh, maybe pat pat myself on the back. I don't know. If you want to bandwagon jump on this one, I, I legitimately can't remember. But one of the things we, we said about United, their starting 11 seems like it competed at a high level. The minute you chip away at the starting 11, it is a very weak squad underneath it. This is what we're seeing. And the, the most concerning thing was midweek is Marcus Rashford played 67 minutes against the like third best team in the Turkish league. You know how many shots he had, Toby? Zero. Zero. Yeah. And and Rashford, the reason United got into the Champions League last year in the first place was Rashford played out of his mind as a top five probably player in the world with his performances. As you know, he made you rich because you were betting his anytime goal scoring numbers. Um, And so if he's slowing down, if this team has injuries, suspensions, Everything that's going on, chipping away at a team that was very starting 11 heavy, this is the result. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's hard to watch, man. I mean, one moment of quality is all that mattered for Palace, and United could not find any any space or creativity. And I don't know what the answer is for them now. Like someone has to tell Rashford Halloween is until the end of the month. So he takes his invisible man costume off. There's no way they can generate anything with the form that he's in. When some dude named Pellistry is on the other wing. I don't know what, what, how they get their way out of this. And on the other side, Brentford's only won one out of nine games this season. So there's not like crazy win equity here, but that's just how bad United are right now. I'm not willing to bet the draw, even though Brentford, Brentford's only won one game. I've got to take the double chance because I'm more afraid of Brentford beating them than United beating Brentford. So, and oh, I forgot one other thing. Home games are a disaster right now for Manchester United. The boos are ricocheting off the walls of, of Old Trafford nonstop after they lost to Palace, after they lost to the Champions League, after they got drilled by Brighton. And it looks real familiar for a Chelsea fan. So as a Chelsea fan who has seen somebody uh, get booed out at home, I don't know how long he's coming back. So do you think it's Eric 10 weeks now? Or do you think he even has less time, Brett? Uh, yeah, I mean, after the loss midweek uh, to Galisari, I 
I can't imagine that the, the leash is very long. Um, I I mean, I'm at the point where where you would yell. I can't yell like you. I don't have that type of gravity. But this is a fade United moment for me. And so I, you know, I thought the same thing as you. I was looking hard at the draw. I was like, Brentford's performances are pretty uneven. I guess I don't really care. They're plus 375. You're telling me that this, whatever version of United team that this is with all the pressure that's mounting on Ten Hag, at plus 375, they they don't win this match one out of every three times. Like you're telling me that that's the case. There's no way. So, I mean, for me, yeah. it was a no-brainer to take Brentford. They've had some really good performances. You know, Brentford's, Brentford just is also a team, talking about a high-variance team, their performances are all over the map. The same thing last year. I'm not a huge fan of their switch to a 4-3-3, but they lost Rico Henry as a wingback, and I think they felt like they had to do it. Um, but I, again, this is a fade United bet, like, through and through. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going with a double chance at plus 125 because I do think the draw is, is within that one in three odds, and I just want to be protected for it. Uh, but the one I like even more is a page out of our mutual playbook, one that both of us have run uh, with a lot of success over the last year or so. And I am flipping it, Brent. I am flipping it on a big six team and going with Brentford, come from behind and win or draw at Ooh. plus 525. So instead of the plus 125, United gets one of the early goals because they actually haven't been that bad in the first 45. They just have no one to bring off the bench and they completely run out of steam. That's when you see the Harry Maguires of the world, uh, you know, getting their numbers flashed on the sideline and making their way into the game. And Brentford is better than them on both sides of the pitch if you look at the numbers, which I know you have. Brentford is fifth in XG conceded, United is 10th, and Brentford is ninth in XG created, and United is 12th. So if United do manage to get on the score sheet first, I freaking love having plus 525 that that quality at Brentford, which is actually exceeding the quality at United, kicks in, and all they got to do is get to a draw or win, and the number's just way too high here. So it's one of my favorite bets of the week. Talk about a number that's way too high. For two teams that have shown a penchant to give up a lot of really good chances, uh, plus 700 for Brentford to win and both to score. Wow. I do not see I do not see a version of a Brentford win that's one nil. I have just guaranteed it to happen. Sure. But that to me seems like a like if Brentford wins this game, there's goals in this match. This is a, a two one, a three, three, two, whatever you want to say. I don't see the zero in a Brentford win plus 700 for that, Toby. I love it. I mean, it goes very well with my plus 525. I get, you get a bigger number. I get a little bit of a draw. Um, yeah, well, United, you get the opportunity to add the draw equity there. Yeah, but United has to score either way. Mine's dependent on United scoring first. So I'm going to play both of them. Why not, right? If the window is open. I can play both tickets. There's no there rule against it. There we uh, go. All right. So let's move to the other Saturday match before we take our break, before we get into the Sundays, which does include one banger of a game. Uh, this is not that game. This is Burnley, 18th at four points versus Chelsea, 11th at eight points, fresh off rotation last week and ready to be talked about again. This game is Saturday at 10 a.m. Caesars has Chelsea at minus 145, Burnley at plus 390, the draw at plus 275. Chelsea minus half a goal is minus 140. Burnley is plus 110. 
So it did turn out that all Chelsea really needed was to be rotated out of covered in glory and to play on a day. I couldn't watch them and suddenly raining goals at Stanford bridge. And it feels weird to say this, but this Burnley match is a mental must win. Even in October, they get the three here and some of the nightmares can be attributed to injuries and bad luck, but they won't spend the entire international break tearing themselves apart ahead of the hardest stretch of fixtures they have all season. They are not being rotated out anytime soon because they are playing playing almost all top six opponents when they come back. And I like their odds here against Burnley. I think this number should be higher. If that BS Broha goal is any sign, is that reversion might finally be coming here and they might finally start scoring a few they shouldn't instead of scuttling everyone they should. Colwell is a stud. Cardio G, Enzo, and Casado midfields coming together. And Cole Palmer looks like we finally have a guy with a technical skill to pick the lock on a packed house. So I think we keep the good vibes going here, Brett. And I use we because I feel like I'm bleeding with this team as much as anybody else. And we enter the gauntlet post-international break with three more points in the bank. Chelsea, minus half a goal, minus 140. Yeah, I mean, I think my theme for this week is uh, basically fade the other team is what my betting is burnley's best attacker is uh, a a chap named lyle foster um and if you don't know who he is that's that's fine toby i've had to look him up plenty even while watching him play on burnley sounds um, like he play sounds like he could start for united yeah and so i think the the argument against chelsea would be the the wave of injuries it's hitting um Kukurea has resurfaced not not just resurfaced as a fullback, but as a right back. But here's the thing about Kukurea, one of the all-time biggest Chelsea bus signings. He would probably immediately step into this Burnley side and be their best player. And so yeah. it's 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 very it's very easy to look at Chelsea and say they're playing a turf war, they're banged up, bunch of fullbacks out, attackers are hurt. Burnley can go can get this one. Then you remember that Chelsea's like. 15th, 16th, 17th best player would be Burnley's star, would be better than Josh Cullen, who's played almost every outfield minute for Burnley. It's very easy for me to take the money line here on Chelsea. And then because that attack is just filled with a bunch of no names, um, and maybe, you know, maybe Vincent Company will make them good. I don't know. But Chelsea to nil is plus 180, Toby. Let me tell you, that's showing up in the five pine. I will take any two nil game against Burnley because they are the worst attacking team and have gotten lucky to, to break clean sheets. I'm going. I'm going with that plus number. I love it. Well, I'm, first of all, I'm glad Kukurea is not on Burnley and is not their best player because then Chelsea would have come back and spent eighty million on him instead of sixty five almost immediately. And let me tell you something else about Kukurea. Gusto and James are suspended. He's going to be playing right back. He's out of position. He's playing incredibly aggressive, trying to win his spot back. And he's also giving just this huge effort to impress. So we're taping on Thursday night and it's not posted yet, but please check on Saturday morning. If he's starting at right back for his yellow card odds, whatever they are, I would take them because I think he is definitely going to draw one of this game being over anxious and out of position outside of that one, which I would have given out if I had the odds, the other one I had written down, my good friend, Brett has already stolen from me. Burnley has been blanked by city. You United and Newcastle. I'm not expecting them to get hardly any shots here. So it's just a matter of whether they catch a goal off the counter or Chelsea make a huge mistake. Otherwise, Chelsea to win to nil plus 180 will also be showing up in my five pint later. Uh, but before we get to the five pint, we've got two more games to cover. But before that, even, we do have to take a break.
All right, Brett, we are back and we are finally to Sunday where we have West Ham seventh at 13 points versus Newcastle eighth at 12 points. This game is Sunday at 9 a.m. Newcastle is plus 111. West Ham is plus 225. The draw is plus 255. Newcastle minus half a goal is plus 115. West Ham is minus 145. So, Brett, Newcastle's gotten a result at each of their last six games, including against City, PSG, and AC Milan. They are absolutely rolling recently. You mentioned it earlier that they seem to be returning to form of a championship, uh, sorry, not championship, a Champions League level team. What do you think has been the key, particularly against really strong opposition? Man, this is so weird, Toby. I don't Like, I just feel like I'm dipping into an alternate reality by saying this. But the minute that Sean Longstaff stepped into their midfield, I don't know if it's coincidental or not, but that run has sort of started with Sean Longstaff starting in the midfield. So, I mean, I don't know if the presence of Sean Longstaff is a magical thing that wills teams into being great. It could be coincidental. It could just be that some other aspects of this team are gelling. I, I can't say for sure. For sure. Uh, we don't, I mean, again, I don't want to bring these stats up like that they're at all ironclad because they're definitely not. On-off splits in soccer, especially this early in the season, are definitely very, very noisy from a data expert. But as far as players go that have played over 300 minutes, Sean Longstaff by far and away has the best on-off splits on Newcastle. They are beating opponents by 1.7 XG per 90. When Sean Longstaff is on the pitch. Again, super noisy stat. But it it, it clearly he is clearly doing something to boost their performance. Uh, you know, he's not a sexy player. But good teams do need industrious players, players that can make runs. They th- this this Newcastle team is a very physical team. He fits into that physicality in the midfield. Um, so I think it's something about his skill set messing with the other midfielders might be doing it. Some other gelling that's going on might also be happening. But it's hard to look at that and not say somehow, some way, <laughs> the most unlikely guy is making Newcastle kind of ri- raise their level a little bit right now. Yeah, you. this is kind of reminding me of the old story about the uh, guy on Philadelphia's basketball team who wouldn't stop talking about the night him and Wilt combined for 100 points. I mean, this is what I'm thinking about LaShawn Longstaff. So I don't know if he's really <laughs> making that difference, but, you know, there was, there was 100 combined points. There's no argument for that. Uh, on the other side here, West Ham haven't yet shown they're capable of keeping up with the big boys. They got beat 3-1 by Poole and City. They defeated to, uh, I mean, they did beat Chelsea, but that no longer looks quite as impressive given the Blues' struggles. But they are a great measuring stick for Newcastle to see if Newcastle do belong in the same breath as the top of the table. And on current form, I say they do, and they come through even with Gordon out and Wilson probably missing another match. The Gimaris, Tonali, Suchek, Paqueta, showdown should be worth the price of admission and will be the key to whether I am right or wrong here. I also really worry about Bowen destroying Dan Byrne, who simply can't deal with pace, but I am going to squint, think Newcastle is going to continue to uh, rise up the table and they're going to win here on the plus 115 minus half a goal line. Uh, So I teased this at the beginning of the show, Toby, but this was the game where I thought needed the adjusted spread. 
Um, I wow. think I am a West Ham skeptic. We I'm on record with this. They allow the ball to be in their attacking third and their penalty box way too often for a team that's good. And I think Newcastle is is kind of hitting their stride right now. So not only am I happy to take the money line, I'm going to introduce a bet that I don't think I've ever taken. You may correct me if I'm wrong here because you have a great memory and you love correcting me. Um, but I'm going to take the Newcastle. The Newcastle race to two goals is plus 124. And I have zero faith that West Ham can continue to allow teams in their in their most dangerous, air, vulnerable area and not give up goals. I think Newcastle hangs at least two on them. And for sure, if this match is a Newcastle win, or, or I'm sorry, if for sure if this match has two goals in it, I cannot imagine West Ham being the team that scores the two. Uh, you have not taken that one before. I have, but you have not. So kudos for new dipping things. into the new exotics things. market. They Way say old dogs can things. do new tricks. Look at me go. Yeah, you and the one barking in the background. Uh, for me, I am going to take Isak anytime at plus 105. With Gordon out and Wilson hurt, he is going to be absolutely the focal point of their attack. Uh, I've really liked his movement. He just looks like a goal scorer out there. And as we found out last match with Wilson out, there is penalty equity here as he was the taker and he had no problem dispatching it with ease. So with a plus number in front of him and you thinking they're going to score at least twice, I don't see how they get two, three in this match without him getting one of them. So I'm more than happy to also get a plus number on him. All right. Uh, I thought when you teased at the beginning of the match, you were going to want for an adjusted line in our final game because it is uh, tracking to be the most exciting game of the weekend and maybe potentially the year. And if I was to read one of your texts earlier, potentially, just maybe, of all time, you could not be any more into this game. And I made you wait this long, which was a little bit mean, I admit it. Uh, so we have Brighton, sixth at 15 points, versus Liverpool, who are fourth at 16 points. This game is Sunday at 9 a.m. Liverpool is plus 115. Brighton is plus 190. The draw is plus 295. Liverpool minus half a goal is plus 110. Brighton is minus 140. So Brighton is really, really, really going after variance. They gave up six to Aston Villa last time out. They've given up I'm sorry, not giving up. There have been 43 total goals in their last 10 games. Their last 10 games have averaged over four goals a match and they only have one draw in that uh, entire run and that was today brett in europa they're finding new ways to bring the best out of their own and everyone else's attack what are the reasons behind this uh well they basically don't ascribe to the reason that you want to control matches <laughs> they want the game to basically be fast break basketball is what they want um and that that is an analytically friendly way because the more chances that there are in a match the better the the more or the more often the better team would win so it helps them rack up points against the lower seated size now the flip side is aston villa hangs six goals on you right yes that's why this that's why you don't see people do this all-out approach is because you have to turn around and talk to the media after you get dropped six one and everybody's saying well you need to play more defensive you need to you need to control the game you need to buy a midfielder that's going to win the ball back and deserve to his credit has basically been like f that we're not doing it next time out i'm going to play even more attackers 
<laughs> but what's the end state there? Like, if you can't beat a top six or seven team, even if you, you know, win most of your games against the rest of the league, like, where does that get you? That seems to get you, what, seventh, eighth points? Maybe it makes you to Europa. Definitely never wins you a title. And I'm not sure it ever even makes you a Champions League pace. So what's the end game to that? Well, I mean, I think the end game is, is that the long-term strategy is that for a team like Brighton, continued uh, success in the Europa League, a chance to win the Europa League and get in the Champions League, then you get money, then you get better players. And then when you play the style with better players, you start punching out some of the bigger teams. So that's kind of the goal is that this style allows you to get to a higher level. Now you may take your lumps against some of the better teams. You may have your six, one defeats, but the overwhelming majority of the time, you're going to bury lower quality opponents and chances. You're not going to let the Burnleys of the world trick you up with one nil wins because you were playing too conservative and they scored on an own goal. You're going to outshoot them 30 to four and you're going to make sure you lock down those points, get into Europa, raise your wage bill, get better players and then rinse and repeat until you're at the top of the league. Yeah. Well, look, in terms of handicapping this match, there's going to be goals here. So you just work back from there and try to figure out what bets you like around goals. I also think in this match, like, as you mentioned earlier, we're both basketball guys. You know what happens all the time in the NBA where, like, you know, there's a uh, play near the sideline and there's a reach in. The guy clearly fouls him and the ball goes out of bounds, but it never touches him. So what they do is they don't want to call the reach in. They just give the ball back to the team that was fouled, even though it was off of him and they they didn't blow their whistle. I, I like to call those fake up calls. They just completely make them up and they just give what they feel is justice. What is justice for Liverpool this game? The league owes pool big time. Like what would they have to do to get a red card? What would they have to do to get a VAR call against them? I think it's going to be like the purge out there. Like they have a license to murder for this game. There's no way they can have anything go against them. And I think they showed tremendous character after going down to nine last week, which is a crazy sentence. Um, and they are going to take full advantage of Brighton's space that they create with so much aggression. I think it's going to be an awesome match. And since I think they're going to take advantage of it, since I think they have the better players, and since I know you like Brighton, but since I think that if they put Nunez in this match, they put the master of chaos in a chaotic environment, that he is going to score and they are going to walk away with three points. So I am taking Liverpool at plus 115. Uh, yeah, I mean, this, <laughs> this is the one I've been waiting for. I don't even care about Arsenal City. This is the match that I've wanted because it is going to be chaos. There's going to be goals. Of course, I'm probably, again, jinxing all this and it's going to be a, the most boring nil-nil draw that you've ever seen. But this has the potential. Liverpool has the potential to hurt Brighton in the worst ways that they can be hurt. I think Liverpool's a worse matchup for them than even better teams like Arsenal or City. And I, I think Liverpool is going to win. I think this is a team on a mission. So the plus 115 line there. But I am adjusting that over, Toby, to four and a half goals oh at plus God. 185. <laughs> Give me your three twos. Give me your four threes. Give me your five fours. Give me your six sixes. I don't care. I'm going over at plus 185. Now I can have some friends. I think the most shocking thing about what you just said is that it's only plus 185 for five goals. Exactly. I mean, that is, that exactly. is like, exactly. That's like this, 
I think that's a season total for Chelsea, and we're going to run it out in one match. I am uh, not going to go that crazy, although I certainly hope for that result. My Sunday morning will be a lot spicier for it. Um, but I am going to play the chaos here and play my favorite bet to play when there's going to be a ton of goals, and I want, I don't want to root for a draw, which is both score, no draw, minus 114. Brighton have not kept a clean sheet the entire year for the reasons we've already discussed. And Brighton's on the other side has only been held scoreless once all season. You know who did it, Brett? Who held Up Brighton the blues, score? baby. Up the uh, blues. Chelsea <laughs> 1-0. The only one to hang on a clean sheet on Brighton. So if I like Liverpool to win and I I like both the score, but I also want to leave the door open that this, you know, crazy variant style they're playing comes their way for once. I'm going to take it at minus 114. The other way I like to play this instead of just playing Liverpool on the money line is Liverpool win both score instead of getting it at plus um, 115. You take it that way, you get a bonus and you get it up to plus 210. So that is the way I want to play this. But any way you play it, any way you get action on it, any way, even if you don't, find your way to a television at 9 a.m. when the Bundesliga comes to England and we see nothing <laughs> going around the pitch. Oh, boy, I can't wait. I've been itching for this match since the start of the season, and it's here. All right. <laughs> this well, is I'm my sure, Christmas, Toby. I'm sure people can't wait to get out of here, so let's go ahead and release them. Get this done with a five pint. Congrats to you. You did win September. You found yourself a nice cabin vacation to celebrate. We've split the first two months, but now we are in October, starting fresh, and here we go. City, money line, plus 135, going opposite of you because I know you like Arsenal in that match. Holland, goal scorer, plus 110. Auto bets with that plus in front of it, all the way to the five-point window. Odegaard, one plus shot on target, minus 110. So three bets from that match. And then Chelsea to win to nil, plus 180, as I previewed earlier. And finally, that Liverpool-Brighton both score, no draw bet. Minus 114 to round out my five pints. How about you, Brett? Uh, well, I'm a long staff truther. So I am Newcastle on the money line. And then I have the Newcastle on the race to two goals. That's that plus 124 number. My my new bet is also making it in the five pints. Nice. Um, and then I am taking Brentford at plus 375 against United because, as Toby would scream out into the heavens, fade United. Um <laughs> And then uh, I'm going to back your Chelsea boys. I know. I, I think. I, do I have good luck? I can't remember my record. I feel like I'm good luck. When I back Chelsea, I feel like it, it helps your team. So I'm taking Chelsea oh. to win a nil at plus 180. And then the final one is this. This I, I'm, I'm looking forward to this match. But Brighton may also lose seven to three. And you're getting Liverpool <laughs> at a plus number. So I'm taking Liverpool at plus 115 on the money line. I... I'm so excited. This is my Christmas, Toby. Let me open All my right. present. All right. Well, Merry Christmas to you, Brett. For everybody else, Christmas comes early because you do not have to listen to us next week. It is an international break where they go to collect some checks and collect injuries while we do not watch them play for the clubs that pay them. Super awesome system. I love it. Uh, we will be back in two weeks and we will be resuming our study abroad because we have the reason for this segment coming up very soon with El Clasico. Uh, Bayern Dortmund's also coming up. There's a lot more great Italian matches and we will find our way to sample our way into Paris, 
uh, some other leagues, and eventually to the MLS. So I hope you guys enjoy this weekend with its excellent matches, and then enjoy the time off. And we will see you in two weeks for our usual interchange of horrible advice backed by expert analysis. Take care, everyone.